0: my friends! Bienvenidos, cuates! Welcome to Mexico! Sanamacan, it's a pleasure to see such fine gentlemen in Mexico! Here, amigos! Donald!
1: Jose! Caramba! Now we're three gay caballeros! Yeah! Welcome, 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 welcome to Talking the Mickey, the podcast that tries to put the plus in Disney Plus as we go back through the back catalogue and give it a review. Uh, We are currently on lockdown here in the United Kingdom, and for us that's meant working from home, but it's also meant catching up on a lot of streaming uh, content, including Disney Plus. My name is Ian.
0: My name's Ellie. And I'm Georgia.
1: And we've all been uh, cracking on through... uh, Disney Plus, and this is our fifth review, I want to say. Yeah, we have a top five after this. Fifth review, yeah, we can narrow it down to a top five. I think we will narrow it down to a top five. Uh, And so just in really quick uh, order, even though you can probably check it out underneath, we have so far have reviewed, let's see if I can do this in the correct order, we have reviewed Frozen, Mulan, Pocahontas...
0: Lady, and the tramp. Lady and the tramp. <laughs> and in the
1: Trap. Lady in the Trap, and then today's episode, which is, I'm going to say it right, Three Caballeros. Hey, I think well I did done. it. Excellent. I've been you practicing. Did. <laughs> yes. Did anybody have any uh, notion of this film before we got started?
0: Not in the
2: slightest. Georgia, I knew that there would be music involved. I knew <laughs> of the three, the three characters. Yeah. Um, I'm aware of them from. I believe they appear on. Um, One of the rides in Disneyland um, California so I'm not sure which one Might be Splash Mountain Um, But they definitely appear in one of the Rides together doing one of the songs So I knew of that but other than that No I wasn't aware of what it would Be like
1: Okay, Um, I was familiar only If someone had the whole set of Disney Films and you'd look down I was Familiar of the Three of them in sombreros and the one I could have told you for sure was the Green Parrot even more so than Donald Duck. I could have told you about about the Green Parrot. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of my image of it. And I don't know if it's the Caballeros. I don't know if it was the uh, Mexican iconography. But growing up in Canada, it just wasn't something that seemed to be on the radar. It didn't show up on any of the TV broadcasts I was ever familiar with, probably because we don't have a large... Um, Spanish population or Hispanic population and as such I think it wouldn't have played well on the TV in such markets as Canada as it may have otherwise Um, I'm sure at some point it showed up on we have a program called The Wonderful World of Disney on the CBC on Sundays but I'm sure it showed up at some point I don't remember seeing it so that's just me
2: just Uh, going to correct myself quickly Um, it's not on Splash Mountain I was wrong it's in Epcot in Florida Um, they have their own Ride in the Mexican Pavilion Um, So it's called the Grand Fiesta Tour Starring the Three Caballeros So they actually have their own ride
1: Well that's good And that would be Sorry is that Disney World or Disneyland?
2: Disney World It's
1: Epcot So yeah so there we go Where I think there's a a more uh, Latino kind of flavour Than uh Well You know rural Canada But yeah (laughs) (laughs) The Three Caballeros Which premiered in 1944 is uh Disney's seventh uh feature length animated film. And I'm gonna put a big asterisk beside feature length animated film for a couple of reasons. The first being the actual content was seventy one minutes long. And the second of which is it's called a package film. Anybody wanna have a guess what a package film might mean
0: is it the fact that did they a release mixture? several
1: at once? Nope, no good guess mm. in the several at once. No. Is it
0: the fact that there's a mixture of live action and uh
1: Animation? No, another, another good guess, but not, not not the answer. A package film, apparently, is the fact that we had all these different mini-narratives and we packaged them together with one attempt of an overarching kind of theme. But really, there isn't one consistent beginning, middle, and end of this film. It just kind of oh, is... Oh, no. No, it's kind of just a sequence of moments loosely put together. And that makes it a package film. And in the 1940s, Disney were all about their package films. They had about six of them. And I think in doing the research, I was going, you know, there's a whole bunch of films in a row here that I haven't heard of that much of before. And I think it's because they're package films and the the grand sweeping narratives that we started with, with Bambi and Pinocchio and Snow White, somehow they went down a different path and went down this route instead. And so we end up with what really seemed to be glorified kind of TV cartoon moments,
2: it's interesting that, obviously, I didn't know what a segment film was, but one of my very first early notes whilst I was watching it is, okay, so this is going to be a film of segments. Cool. Like So that was obviously something that stood out to me quite early on whilst watching it. Um, I think it kind of links back to Disney's history in short films, really. It's lots of different short films all together, isn't it? Like, kind of pushed together with one...
1: The thinnest. I
2: mean... <laughs> I would argue there is an overarching narrative. It is, does link together, but um, it's not Donald really a definitive storyline. No, I'll oh, give you that.
1: It's very thin, isn't it? Very, yeah, very I mean, thin.
2: it's Donald's birthday yeah. presents is what yeah. links it all together. But. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what a plot. What a... What a definitely. <laughs> and I gave Lady and the Tramp a hard time about not having a story. Here we <laughs> <know>. <laughs> So, um... These films are at least definitely Three Caballeros and it's sort of spiritual prequel, uh, Saludos Amigos, Saludos Amigos, which is like salutations friends, greetings friends, I suppose that means, if my Spanish is anywhere get, near. I think it's hello friends. Hello yeah. friends, yes. Uh, they were part of an overreaching um, government goodwill message to Latin America from the Franklin Delano Roosevelt American government. And Mm -hmm. the goodwill program was generally meant so that American views on foreign policy would be accepted by Latin American countries, uh, which was important as we're starting to see the rise of communism in the East. And so we see America putting down a bit of a foothold in other nations who might have been vulnerable, maybe, to communist ties, potentially. Uh, There were communist nations in Latin America. Cuba, for instance, is one of them. And so we could have seen... Um, and so Disney was was a big proponent of this. And I'm trying to think of the name of the... World. Carmen Miranda was sort of the... Um, not symbol, but she was kind of the, the unofficial spokesperson for this uh, North American sort of... American, not North American, American uh, Goodwill project. Although, although it sounds nice, the Goodwill was really more about political gains than it was about um, social... Um, or cultural exchange but this is a little byproduct right. of it
2: with that history i think as as doing what disney does they essentially do in at least than they did in this day and age they did propaganda for children so if yeah. you look back to the stuff they did in the wars and that kind of thing they give children an idea of what's going on in a very cartoonized way um, and I think this probably actually does quite a good job of expressing what was going on for children um, when it came out originally
1: well this is the last Disney animated film released before World War II and when that happens we're going to start seeing Donald Duck again as the sort of symbol of of uh, Americana which is a really strange <laughs> sentiment that which character do you want it's not Mickey it's Donald Duck and uh we you know Donald Duck will fight Hitler in the cartoons yeah. in, a, in, in 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 just a couple of years and so obviously Disney's not hasn't been afraid over the years to go ahead and put their uh their toe in, 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 into that pool and gone let's test the water on political representations and see what we can do here which is i think you're right propaganda for children
2: i believe um after the efforts in the war that disney did and because donald duck was such a huge part of them i believe he was given an honorary sergeanthood. i think um i've seen it somewhere written down that he was given some sort of honorary position in the army due to his help and whatever with the war which i think is really interesting that an animated character has been given that honor as a part of what they did
1: yeah Uh, what's really interesting is that in the spanish countries where it was dubbed in spanish obviously uh, they gave donald duck a really charming american voice (laughs) so it wasn't the donald duck sound that we're familiar with and struggled with i think lucky them to understand it was this really like <laughs> but i guess if he's going to be the representative of, of america you don't want to have that voice being difficult to hear and understand
0: why did the americans think that was a good idea well, then
1: i just don't know why they chose donald duck as their ambassador i mean even even goofy might have been something <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's a question if you have to recast i think it's just the idea that they were married to the idea of birds
0: Yeah, and so if you're married to
1: the idea of birds, then you kind of have to go all in with 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 Donald Duck, don't you?
2: I think so. So,
1: Yeah, uh, I I think Ellie's already looked at this. I can't really play the game in that regard. But Georgia, any idea how it was? What the sort of status is 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 on IMDb? What's the rating? Do you think of Three Caballeros?
2: Um, I should imagine it's between a five and a six. I don't think it's much higher than that.
1: Well, six point five, which I thought was actually quite high and might be worth looking at for future Disney films and going this is better you know or this is worse than Three Caballeros I think you know there's an interesting mark there because I would have gone with you Georgia. I would have thought somewhere just north of five Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes anybody
0: Uh, 56% okay I have a feeling I might have already seen this somewhere although I have forgotten I think it might have been in the 70s 82%
1: 82% positive
0: oh, wow.
1: now it's not a huge amount it's, it's a smaller number than usual would um, re- review a film I think that's got to do with it's date and how many people are actually going back to review Three Caballeros yeah. <laughs> as, as, as we do exactly that but um, this is the idea but some of the criticisms uh, early on were that it was more flash than substance more technique than artistry And if you think that the film is really aimed primarily towards that Latin audience and really, you know, the the world premiere is in Mexico City, you know, and it's not released in in theaters in the U.S. for for quite a few months after that, why, you know, is this an A-rate product? Is this an A-team product? And I think you have to kind of go yes and no because... It's 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 ranked in the list, isn't it? It's 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 considered a Disney animated classic. Okay,
2: so I know you two didn't particularly enjoy the film. Um, okay. I really quite liked it. Oh, um, okay, this should be um, fun then. Yeah, no. As a fan of Disney short films and of the parks and of the heritage of Disney, I really really liked watching this. Um, I think it. And captures that early magic in okay. a way that the films we've watched so far haven't, despite them being some of them being earlier films, like Lady and the Tramp. Um, it reminded me of being in the parks watching something rather than just okay. watching a film, um, which I found to be really interesting, and also thought it kind of lent into Walt's want to do nature documentaries and that kind of thing because it had lots of different elements of things that you can see come down the pipeline in the future um like fleshed out versions of but just little bits of it in this um and i really enjoyed it i thought it was great
1: I, i guess the question is what do you want from from your disney and uh if you want a little bit of cultural education this is far more than anything we've seen so far Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's um, Definitely a celebration of the places that they show us. It's ab- no, there's nothing negative to it. At
1: no, all. no. There's no negative representations towards the, the the cultures. At least, not not intentionally.
0: Um, no. Yeah. And we've learned in previous podcasts that Ian, all he wants from a Disney film really is a clear villain and a really strong storyline. So. Yeah. Um, this one, I'm not sure this one really fits the bill there. Yeah.
1: But I will say, uh, on George's point to a degree, I mean, this did give me some nostalgia, ironically enough. It, but I said it reminded me of sitting at home in front of a TV as a kid watching The Wonderful World of Disney on CBC, where we saw... Sorry, but like a second, third rate Disney programming they could just put on the TV for very, very, very cheap. And this reminded me of that. It reminded me of, like I said, a collection of segments you would have seen on the television as part of just a Disney cartoon that would have been on the cartoon of the week and not a feature length film. And again, like I'm saying, we went from Cinderella, not Cinderella, Snow White, Bambi and Pinocchio and then it does, does feel to me like a step back, at least from a storytelling perspective, absolutely. But shall we dive into it?
2: We can do. I just want to add to your point there. I think it definitely is a step back on a storytelling point of view because it's not, uh, in, well, at least from my vein, it's not supposed to be a story. Oh, I agree. It's a It's a collection of different bits and pieces celebrating different places and all of that kind of thing. But also I think it's definitely a step forwards perhaps in the art of animation and everything else that they do because i've got quite a few notes from different bits in it about the animation styles and about how they've done with it and it is very flashy um if you remember when it was made in the 40s it's incredible how they've done it i've seen worse green screen action in like recent films than what is in this so from a technical point of view i think it's amazing
1: I will 100% agree with what you've said. It just, yeah, I think, as as was said previously, I just really really struggle with films that aren't about story. And so this, as that, wasn't my cup of tea. And this is good, because we can have a little bit of back and forth here on this one. So Mm -hmm. uh, I will do sort of the the traditional format, but if you ever want to take over the sort of the the reins on this, Georgia, by all means, please do go ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, So we start off, and uh, we get... A very old school classic you don't get much more classic of a title card sequence in this where we actually have drawn title cards rather than yep. <laughs> even like a slow pan into a city scape it's just you now here's people who worked on the film and we're going to release them in a series of hand drawn title cards and we're going to dissolve between the two cards as we go through each one and I thought it was interesting uh, well first off do you want to talk about the style of that at all Georgia
2: um not really. Okay, I didn't really have much on that bit. I did note though from its from the opening title card of when it said 3 Caballeros, mm-hmm. it notes at the bottom in Technicolor. Yes. Um I think this may be one of the first Disney properties that was put into Technicolor, which probably explains to you why it's quite so flashy. Um yeah. they're using new technology here and experimenting with it and just having a good time, which I think is again why I like it quite so much. It's just a celebration of Both the places that it looks into, but also of the of the art of animation and what they've learned to do in the last few years, which I think is really cool.
1: Something else was that I I noticed based on one of those title cards as well that this was released actually not by Buena Vista, who we would be familiar with releasing Disney products for a long time until they just flat out called themselves Disney Studios. But Mm -hmm. um, this was released by RKO, and RKO was one of the big five uh, Hollywood um, studios. Uh, di- distribution studios of Hollywood's golden age and so it was interesting to see someone else taxed with uh, distributing Disney properties and mm-hmm. so I think you can kind of see how early in the process despite I mean we hear the name Disney and we see what it is today we kind of always think it always was this juggernaut and at this point we kind of see it's it's a very specific little niche I think that they were trying to absolutely just the, yeah the the building blocks of the empire are barely coming together at this point
2: I think that's, and again, that's why I like it, is those early memories of different bits and pieces. Now, I'm completely biased because I didn't have a childhood in Disney. And obviously, I wasn't alive when this stuff was coming out for the first time. For the around, record, neither, I...
1: neither were we on this one. No, 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 no.
2: But I, you guys have a nostalgic childhood with Disney, and I don't. Um, but I have educated myself more through the Parks channel than through the Films channel. And I think this leans into... Why I like Disney so much, rather than why other people like Disney. A lot of people like Disney for the feature-length films, whereas I like it for pretty much everything else that came along with it. So, and that um, is fair.
1: I, I think that's definitely something that distinguishes you from, uh, well, from me anyway, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. From my perspective, um, Ian, Ian, you were talking earlier about the uh, the cartoons on the TV and stuff. That's that's not something that I recall ever experiencing so my entire disney disney nostalgia and everything is built around those films and oh, okay. i don't think i've ever actually seen any of the short um cartoons apart from possibly steamboat willie or maybe that's just a clip of it at the start of some of the yeah. videos but definitely seen at least a few seconds of steamboat willie
1: so if you're out there from the canadian broadcasting corporation god bless you you've given me something that the other two didn't mm-hmm. have Sundays at 6 o'clock for any Canadians out there. I'm sure... Oh, if, if you're out there and you know, why don't you get a hold of us on the socials and let me know if the Wonderful World of Disney is still in place on the CBC. That would be... Uh, what are our social accounts there, Georgia?
0: We are
2: talking the Mickey on Instagram and at TalkTheMickey on Twitter. On the Twitter. So, yes. Twitter.
1: And so we get told at the start of Three Caballeros it's starring Donald Duck. Which I thought was a really interesting choice to make Donald Duck a persona even outside of his character. To almost give him some sort of big Hollywood credibility as as the character rather than as... I mean, we're we're treating him like like he's a real person and star in and of his own right now, aren't we?
0: He's treated quite a lot in the film like he's a real person and it's creepy. (laughs)
2: Oh no, I love it. Again, I think that goes back to my Parks background. They are... Those five of them And then everyone else That's come there for Like further off They are their own People Mickey, oh, Minnie And all of those people oh, They the play them. themselves
1: So you've got Mickey, Minnie they Mickey, Minnie Donald uh, Is it Goofy Daisy and, and Minnie Or sorry, Goofy, Goofy, Goofy and Pluto Goofy and Pluto So not the girls And then
2: you No, not, um, no so Mickey, Minnie
1: Oh Minnie is, sorry Mickey, yeah, Minnie Mickey, Donald Pluto Goofy
2: Yes, they, two, mice, the two dogs, and yeah. a duck.
1: All right. That's it. Sounds like a like a 1990s sitcom.
2: But of two course, dogs. One, <laughs> of the dogs, one of the dogs is his own sentient being, and the other dog belongs to Mickey and yeah, me one, one, as one, a of pet. The,
1: one of the dogs is Which fairly kind of like a human being walking and talking, having agency, and the one is just like, you know, totally subservient.
2: Yeah.
1: Bizarre. And so... Um, we have a bit of a, a moment where the, the film opens and Donald has this package in the package film. He has a package.
0: And Three packages.
1: You look at the card and the card is in Espanol. And so I'm reading I'm going, okay. And then Donald Duck has himself a Pocahontas moment where all of a sudden <laughs> he thinks really, really hard and you will understand. And now he speaks Spanish. Because it translates to English before his very
0: eyes.
1: (laughs) And so we get the idea that this is Donald's birthday and he's received a series of gifts. And the first gift we get is an old school film projector complete with screen. And we hit all the typical cliched jokes. But at the time, I guess they weren't cliched jokes. These were sort of things you hadn't seen a hundred times. So Donald gets folded up within the projector screen And things of that ilk. And uh, he plugs it in and we get our first uh, present, which is a series of, I'd say cartoons, but I guess I can say say cartoons because it mixes cartoons. cartoons. Yeah, he gets a series of cartoons, doesn't he? And it's sort of the first of our storylines. And the first one is the story of Pablo the Penguin.
2: I loved this little story.
1: Did anybody else think, like, Pablo is actually the real inspiration for Olaf? No. <laughs> he's, he's from the South Pole, and all he wants to do is go somewhere warm and experience summer.
0: The difference being that he won't melt.
1: There's that, but it's this idea where, like, naturally, it's like, no, you belong in the cold. Yeah, I
0: guess.
1: And yet all he wants is to go somewhere warm. And so we have a series of attempts by Pablo to leave his um Antarctic homeland he tries what does he try doing he tries walking away and then he freezes he freezes several times yeah he tries and that,
2: he tries different to different methods strap methods his stove people, which is yeah.
1: his favorite thing in the world mm-hmm. onto his back and then the weight projects him backwards and we get that classic he's falling down a ravine and like his skis or something are what force him to like bridge the gap and he just sort of holds there Yep. <laughs> and then of course it just resets. We just we just fade out and he's back alive again. It's like a video game character. He is he's like in Grand Theft Auto. He's just been arrested an hour later. He wakes up with 10% of his money gone and he's ready to try again. <laughs> and finally decides that I think he builds a boat out of ice. They mm-hmm. saw ice out. Yeah. His part of the ice. And then it becomes a floating device by which he then um goes in search of his dream home which is the Galapagos Islands and then and this is all being narrated to us by uh, well a narrator and he starts speaking <coughs> in all these metaphors but the metaphors become literal so we get a uh, a blanket of cloud which is literally becomes then a blanket that unfurls and lands on the um on the boat And then we also get things like a storm cloud that only moves really kind of around him.
2: I love that little storm cloud. It was doing its very best.
1: And I'm thinking about parts of this that I did not like. Although I, I didn't mind Pablo's. I thought he was all right. But I'm like, what is this kind of humor? And this kind of humor reminded me a lot of like Mr. Bean humor physical humor right and these Very things so, yeah. and these things have to be and the reason why mr bean works so well i hate mr bean I, I hate mr bean but mr bean plays incredibly well and has always been shown oddly enough on the cbc and the cbc has a high english and french audience to it and um why mr bean and why does mr bean play so well why is mr bean a global icon of what it means to be british and Mr. Bean is a global icon of what means to be British because his comedy is all physical and visual. You
2: don't have to speak English and to understand can, it. you can do it in any mm. language.
1: And so yeah. then I'm starting thinking about The Three Caballeros and I'm going, this works because all these jokes, they don't require dialogue to get across. It's all just visual humor. And unfortunately, I see that and I go, oh, I hate this because I'm such a, a story-driven sort of guy. And I think it's really hard to do that especially comedy, with visual humour. That being said, I, I fully understand why they went down this road.
0: Yeah, it makes sense in the context of the film, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I agree. I was sort of just looking for the storyline and thinking what on earth is actually happening here. Um, but I did find it very cute when the penguin used his hat to scoop the water out from the bath, even though it was already under the water and was had sort of sunk in the sea. Oh, I was. I remember that i really enjoyed that bit george right, any thoughts just on following
1: my... on from that hmm yeah go ahead
2: just following on from what ellie said just after he scoops all the water out of the bath the fact that he then shoves the shower head in the hole and then the shower head propels the boat forwards as the water's coming out i think is absolutely genius like who ever thought of that Because we see this is the first time round when this is first released this is the first time round these jokes are being made to a large-scale audience So to come up with that and to animate it so well, I just, I think it's absolutely incredible. I am in awe of the people who made this film, even if there is no storyline to it.
1: Well, yeah, because now we lean on them and they're all tropes, aren't they? And we kind of maybe Mm -hmm. go, oh, it's cliche or it's grown or it's cinema sins. It's all cliche. Okay, okay, great. But back then, I mean, when you're coming up with these, when you're the originator of these things, I mean, it shows a, a tremendous amount of lateral thinking
2: absolutely yeah and it's something that i don't have the capacity to do and so to watch that be the first time that joke's made is i think it's really cool i Um, think it's very very it's like watching history happen of course it happened 80 years ago but or 60 years ago but uh no i was right the first time 80 years 76 um, 76 yeah but even so it's I think it's I think it's very, very
1: cool. yeah, and I mean I teach uh, media and film studies, and one of the things we do is we teach that when uh, a producer has a text and they put it out there, really he loses control of it or she loses control of it. And it's all about you hope that you've encoded your text with the meaning that your consumer will then decode it with because they could interpret things any number of ways. Uh interesting that we actually had to have I don't know if you caught this George but before you click on it on Disney Plus there was a warning that said that this may contain outdated cultural depictions.
2: Yes, there are that warning is put on for a lot of the um older films. Yeah. But there was a huge when Disney Plus was being conceived there was a huge debate about whether they should put these kinds of films on the internet to stream for everyone to have access to because they were worried about backlash and that kind of thing. Um, but there's the argument that, of course, they should still be available. As long as you put that kind of warning at the beginning and go, this is not how we currently feel these places are represented, all or, or this kind of thing. I think it's really, really important that we still get to see how things were viewed back then. Because if you for, try and forget that, then you're forgetting a huge part of history.
1: In a world before internet and a world before even large-scale television ownership, things like this would be the first opportunity that many people would have to engage with uh the culture or even just the 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 geography or the the uh d- demographics that are being presented in these uh extracts especially more so the live action ones I'm I'm referring to and so with that there comes a huge um Responsibility, and uh, at the end, we can talk about how successful Walt and Company um, were in, in 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 achieving this. But if you're going to be someone's first sort of guardian or or gatekeeper of of knowledge of these places, um, that's not a small uh, responsibility whatsoever. And so, I find it interesting, George, if you said that Walt was uh, had like an educational. Um, that was one of his. De- de- desires or motivations or purposes, if you will, was that education?
2: Absolutely, side? yeah. I actually have again. I have a note in here um, that I wrote whilst I was watching it. It's I put it's a celebration of these different places as they were known at the time, and I've then put kind of adding on from what you've just said. For many children, I'm sure this would have been an introduction to anywhere outside of their home state, and for some, perhaps a look back on where their parents have come from. Um, yeah. Obviously, there was a lot of immigration in the United States, and this would perhaps have been a first look back at what their parents' childhood might have looked like all of these traditions that they may not get to see now their parents have moved to the US perhaps Mm -hmm. that they're now seeing them through this medium of this animated film that it's their culture celebrated on a nationwide level which again I think is something that's hugely important that has then from that has probably grown a lot of different things that we now take for granted mm -hmm. like being able to see celebrate all sorts of different things um and different cultures but back then this would have been their only access to that and i think it's to to celebrate that is hugely important
1: and again i mean um this was released as well to be a major um event in in, in those latin american countries the which has been sent so so how important is it for them to see uh, not only for Americans with, with with heritage from these places, but for people who actually live in these places themselves, to see them represented on something as progressive, uh, I mean progressive as far as the 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 technology of of Disney yeah. and and motion pictures, and to see not just um, Western people, white people, represented on screen in this in this regard, but to see their own culture and heritage and persons represented in this light.
2: I think it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that this was going on in the 40s, I know there's huge, huge, huge issues still in the United States at this point in regard to race and culture. But the fact that there was someone, some company doing this, and not necessarily a company that's got a lot of money to risk at this point, being willing to put out this content, I think is really important and probably did have quite a big impact on the way... Um, media and culture were kind of viewed in the future.
1: Now, before we give it too much of a uh, golden handshake at least, I mean, how many years are between this and <laughs> Songs from... Is it Songs from the South? Is that the one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, what year was Songs from the South? Like, I mean, <laughs> they didn't always show that uh, deft to touch at representing uh, other cultures all the time. Shall we move back to, to Pablo, our penguin, though? Shall we do that?
2: I think we should. Sorry, I think we have got sidetracked. We did.
1: We? we did. So... Back to Pablo. He finally reaches his goal of, well, of reaching the Galapagos Islands. This is after someone lifts the equator up for him. And as well as some other... Neptune himself. Neptune himself, that's right. Neptune himself lifts up the equator for him. And uh, he makes it to the Galapagos Islands just as his boat is melting. Convenient timing is convenient. Mm -hmm. And he sits there and he's enjoying life on the beach. But every now and then he misses his friends back in the Antarctic and the voiceover goes that's human nature for you and I was all ready to jump on this like I did Lady in the Tramp mm-hmm. he goes even if you're a penguin no no all right that's, that's quite funny <laughs> so he corrects himself and this is segment number one finished and uh, kind of do- we, we cut back to Donald briefly kind of enjoying the spots in between and then we quickly open up on our second segment which is about a rather strange bird George did you get information about this because my notes are pretty slight on this
2: my note essentially says here it's like a children's nature documentary disguised as a comedy and cartoon which I guess kind of leans into the fact that again like I said earlier um Walt wanted to do nature documentaries and education educational um films and things for children so I guess this might be the birth of that in in inside of a package film um but no I don't really I didn't really get much else on those bits other than i was, as far as i'm aware um those descriptions of the birds and what they are and what they do i believe are accurate i could be completely wrong other than the little one that wears a swimming costume obviously um but the other birds that are shown i'm pretty sure they're accurate to like real life um i might be wrong but... What kind of,
1: did you catch the name of the bird because i didn't
2: i didn't No, i couldn't pick it up
1: okay um the ultimate fourth wall break happens in this one and which I thought was really clever considering how little we actually um you know how how early days these are but the bird actually is it the bird or is it it's oh. one of
2: the little birds yeah it walks out of it's the one of the little red ones
1: right who screen, walks out and and on, the, on the actual light on the
2: light yeah. path
1: of the projector and then it comes in and gives Donald a handshake
2: yeah
1: i believe yeah i thought that was that was that was that was cute i was like all right I, I like what you're doing there. I mean, there's moments. There's moments in this that I really liked. And that's kind of the end of that narrative. I, I, so mm. much so that I almost, like, I kind of missed it when it was going on. I was like, oh, it was a little bit. And then we'd already moved on to something else. And I'm going, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what even <laughs> happened in that second segment. I haven't got any notes on it. Just completely lost interest.
1: So then the third segment, we learn about a, I've got donkey bird, or you might want to call it flying donkey of Latin America. Mm-hmm uh his name was little burrito? Yes. Uh burrito meaning a small donkey. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. So Okay, no I wasn't aware of
1: that. Like I I knew a burro was was a donkey. Yeah,
0: and then ito is like a little suffix that they put on to
1: Yeah, so to make s- it suggest small. small or or, or childlike. Yeah. And so burrito mm-hmm. would make sense, but I I'm wondering I really want to find out then why the the, uh, the 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 rap is called a burrito.
2: I will have a quick look, see if I can find
0: anything on
1: that. Well, it be very quick, because I don't have a huge amount of notes on this section. But- it's interesting. When you, said,
0: <laughs> when you said why the rap is called a burrito, for some reason in my head I was hearing you say the word rap like R-A-P. Oh, no, no, no. And I was trying to think of like some kind of genre of music called the burrito.
1: <laughs> Lil, li- <laughs> Lil Burrito. Um, well, yeah,
0: like a, a rapper. Yeah.
1: Um, so I've got here in my notes that the flying donkey likes having cake by the campfire. And I can't remember... Exactly what that was about, but I guess he ate some cake by the campfire. I guess so. Yep.
0: He had a really cute little <laughs> eye wiggle.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the the the, the donkey, flying donkey, little burrito, was, was very cute. Like he, he, maybe okay, that was... I have the answer. Okay.
2: Sorry, continue. I'll can, can tell you after this. Okay.
1: So, um, the narrator, and this one was interesting, is that the narrator is. It's very meta in that the characters can hear the narrator, and the, na- and the narrator can can sort of like get frustrated when the characters don't follow the script. Because he mm-hmm. goes, cause basically, it, it all comes around some sort of a race that, that has to be won. And little burrito is going to face off with a bunch of racehorses around this track. And instantly, they get turned around the wrong way, and the, and the narrator sort of makes some comments and tells them it's that way. And then the, 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 the little boy and the and the donkey hear it, and the little burrito and they run off. So they're aware of each other's presence. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, whatever the boy's name was, remembered the knife. He remembers the knife. And the boys kind of look around. He remembers the knife. And then he finally grabs the knife, cuts <laughs> off the ropes. And then the donkey flies through and wins the race. And then in some capacity later on, the donkey just decides to go flying after something he sees. I don't know if it was a bird or whatever it was in the sky. It's
2: the bird on top of the um, yeah. pole, yeah.
1: And he's, and he's outed. And that's kind of how it ends. Just the idea of like, wah, wah, oh well. I, I, we were caught cheating. And uh, that's kind of the end of the of really, this is a film of, I know it's three parts, but really it's a film of two parts. Because this is the end of our little like mini narratives, in a sense. And from here on in, I feel it kind of shifts to just full-out cultural celebration.
0: Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. Because you don't have any of the live-action stuff in the first bits that we've already... No. covered and then suddenly you've got these sort of actual people dancing and celebrating we've, music and things.
1: With no really s- story at least the first three kind of tried to give us, two of the three at the very least some yeah. sort of a story they were going to tell
0: Yeah, absolutely I think the, the
2: story of Pablo the Penguin and of Little Burrito are both um, very much similar to um, stories with morals what are they called? I can't think For children. Fables, stories Fables that, Fables, that's the one they're very much that i mean i've read a story very very similar to the one of pablo the penguin in fact it was still a penguin wanting to live somewhere hotter um as a story at nursery so they are still stories that are being um kind of produced and written to this day for children so i think that's kind of what that first half of the film was and then like like you said he opens up his second and third presents which happen to be have his two other caballeros inside and then they celebrate their cultures from that so yeah no it definitely Mm -hmm. definitely has a shift after the first present is opened i think
1: so that's good that's a good segue georgia And then we open present number two which is a book and we're introduced to jose carioca who was a holdover from the previous film, Saludos Amigos. So there would have been some familiarity between American audiences or even Latino audiences and this character, who kind of exists within primarily, I know he shows up at at the parks and stuff, but really the entirety of his Disney media life is until very recently wrapped up in these couple of films. And he's... Well, let's talk about how he's dressed first. He's dressed in this yellow suit, complete with, like, a a straw hat, maybe it is?
2: Yeah, I think it's like a straw hat, isn't it? He's constantly smoking the cigar as well.
1: Yes, he is. But he's really charming. He's not childlike. I mean, he definitely gives off an older vibe, I felt. He wasn't young and excitable. Um, I felt he was kind of like the, the wise older gentleman kind of showing you, let me show you around Brazil.
2: Yes, very much so. As opposed to Donald's very childlike persona,
0: um, I think I struggle to find him charming because, again, I couldn't understand anything that he was saying. Um, okay, the yeah. same as with with Donald Duck as well. Um, I mean, I've, I've got in my notes. I, I find Donald Duck so annoying. It's like. Um, Georgia's opinions on Batman. And this is a little bit of a segue into our other podcast, Best Film Ever, um, where if you've listened to our our most recent episode, we reviewed The Dark Knight and um, Georgia just hates Batman, mostly because of his stupid voice. And I just felt very similarly about that. uh, Sorry, about Donald Duck to how Georgia feels about Batman. I just couldn't get on board with it at all.
1: Well, there's also a clear shift that happens at this point where in the first three mini stories, the three first three parts of the package if you will um, donald is really just sort of there's just cutaways to donald after or for brief moments in each of the first three he's just there for bits and at this point in the film he kind of steps up and becomes a full-fledged character and is part of the story himself rather than reacting to the story
0: yeah and i wrote, but i wrote this note right at the start Before we'd even gone into the Penguin story. So you can imagine my dismay when he actually started getting more lines later in the film.
1: (laughs) I mean, I will admit there are times when Donald is speaking to Jose and I'm not getting either of them. Jose is my better bet. But really, I'm struggling. Um, Georgia, did you find you were able to understand them easier than the two of us did?
2: I understood them quite well. Though I was watching on my phone, so it's quite close to me. I don't know whether if you guys were watching on a TV, if it's further away, if you were struggling a little bit more. Did um, you have headphones in? I didn't, no, but my phone was always quite close to me. So maybe it's just a proximity thing in that measure. Um, Or it might be that I'm used to hearing the voice of Donald Duck a little bit more than you guys are. I don't (laughs) know, so I was able to pick it up a bit more.
0: Maybe, yeah. I did did turn the volume up several times to try and make it a bit more clear, but to no avail.
1: (laughs) So... We've got a, a series of stuff as we're introduced to Brazil, because Jose represents Brazil. And I believe were similar for, for 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 the first film. Saludos Amigos. Uh Jose Carioca is a representative and a symbol of Brazil. And as we're getting shown around Baja. Baja, Baja? Baja I Bah?
2: Is it baia or Ba?
1: I think it's it's definitely B-A-I-A. I got that.
2: Yeah.
1: So There's a little bit where the bird from segment two does pop back up and draw some cheeky new railway tracks, which divides a train. And again, that sort of cartoon logic where things, you know, you have to kind of buy into a new set of rules when you're looking at this. But then we very quickly get introduced by Jose to um, a dance, a dance and a song. And it's the first of our sort of big songs. And uh, we also have the first time now where the um, cartoons are starting to mix with the live action and um, yeah, so you do- start off with
0: the, the cookie lady don't you and uh, then more people come in and they just go into this big old dance
1: big old street dance life is great in bio. I did
0: notice did notice with
2: the cookie lady I don't know if either of you picked up on it her tray obviously is something that she is carrying but it's painted to look like it's part of the animation
1: Oh, really? I missed that. Which
2: I really enjoyed. Um, I think it's because they get so close to it at different times, both um, Donald and no. I, and Jose, is it? Um, yeah. yeah. But no, the, the tray has got like white lines on the edge of it that make it look like it's part of the animation, which I really enjoyed.
1: Now, is this the lady who Donald becomes infatuated with?
2: Yeah, okay. one of them. Yes, I believe so.
1: So this one from from, from the Bayer. <laughs> several. Yes, yeah, so this one from, from the Bayer um, segment. Uh, this is Aurora Miranda, who is actually Carmen Miranda, who we spoke about earlier, was kind of the face of the goodwill movement. This is her younger sister. And so it's really ah, interesting okay. that they would, the first one, the one that makes you have to go, we're going to buy in, and would have cultural capital in both locations, would have some credibility. We went with an established family link to the one who is, the, so I think it kind of buy it causes both groups to buy in and go, okay, yeah, I know what this is.
0: I'm glad they know what it is cuz I have no idea. It was just bizarre.
1: Yeah, there was something weird where Donald eventually, I mean I mean Donald's kind of having this flirty back and forth with uh, Aurora and um Cookie Lady if you will or Aurora whatever we want to call her. And then I don't know where this Apple Man shows up. An Apple Man, he starts flirting a little bit with Cookie Lady as well and Donald starts to get quite jealous and is doing his own kind of moments. And of course, Jose's... How did that go? I'm not doing that again. (laughs) And Jose's kind of like holding him back. And we're all going, oh, it's cute. Donald doesn't get what he wants. Although, to a degree, there was also this idea that she... It seemed like they were getting along just fine. And we can talk a little bit about gender politics here and going, is someone right to be upset when someone seems to swoop in? Or are you not allowed to be upset? I don't. I get internal frustration, but I think it's the anger which might not play so well today. But then again, how does a cartoon express inward disappointment? (laughs) I guess he could have gotten sad.
2: He's also a duck.
1: He's also a duck. And she's
2: a human. And And the the person that takes away from him is a human. So I guess it's kind of that kind of
1: thing, isn't it? And as we said, I mean, Donald is an established... More than just a character. Donald is an established, almost per, almost actor at this point. He is an actor in this film, right? Yeah. And we're familiar with Donald getting angry. That's not unusual for the way that he represents himself in narratives throughout. No. So it's a bit of that. In a vacuum, you might go, oh, don't know about this. If you look at the broader scope, we're going, that's, that's Donald Duck being Donald Duck. It's a cartoon duck and a human woman. I think we're all right.
0: Or are we not all that.
1: right? I'm going to go and say, I think we're all right. I think we can realize what this is. If if you want to argue that some people are getting their moral purpose and direction from this cartoon, um, you can. And I'll listen to that argument but I'd hope we go in the same world that lets me realize if I hit someone in the head with a hammer, they don't fold up like an accordion. <laughs> Hopefully when we're learning that, we can also learn that if cartoons get mad when the Apple Man comes in, it's still just a cartoon and the same logic applies. But that's why I'm not carrying a stove on my back when I walk around.
0: Yeah, I don't have an issue with, with the sort of him getting angry about it to display how Donald Duck gets jealous, if you like, but I mean, this... Just because that's okay because he's a duck doesn't mean the fact that he's chasing and lusting after some live animation uh, woman yeah. is okay, and it's it's just really bizarre. And um, a little while after this, Donald gets kissed by the strange yes, animation lady, or oh, not animation lady, live live action lady, and um, okay by Aurora, not the Sleeping Beauty one, nope. this one, and. Um, the the cartoons that follow I found really disturbing. Um, firstly, they were a little bit trippy. But also then they were just... They were like all pulsating. And it was very sort of sexualized. And it was
1: just weird. There were some that looked like it was green sausage rolls at one point. Which you could make the argument it was phallic.
0: Yeah, and I mean... If, if I may skip ahead slightly, there's a there's a later scene where you've got lots of um, cacti as well, yes, which are very phallic looking as well, and it it just doesn't seem right for a kids film to have these sort of, although they're very, um, you know, they they are animations and they're perhaps hidden metaphors. They're still there, and it just it just didn't sit right with me.
1: Uh, Georgia, any thoughts? Are we making too much out of this?
2: perhaps a little bit i think um bearing in mind if it is a children's program it's i guess lean into compare it to something like um a british tradition of pantomime um and this is nothing um so i think there's a there's kind of a line where children understand a certain amount of it and the rest is in there for a joke for adults so they get to enjoy what they're
0: having to watch for their children 24-7 as well. But as an adult watching it, I, I didn't find it funny. I found it really disturbing.
1: But I think at this point, though, we need to re- have a thing and go...
0: This is 76 years
2: ago. Humor, though, it? so
1: humor is very much of its time. Humor mm, yeah. is very, very much of its time for the same reason that we don't find the Honeymooners and, you know, one of these days, Alice, smack to the moon, which was a metaphor for one of these days, Alice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you out. And the audience would laugh. This was a sitcom in the 50s called The Honeymooners. Apologies. Right. And that was a big, big cultural sort of hit, pun not in, not intended. <laughs> um, but we would never laugh at that kind of a thing. Now if we had a sitcom where, you know, Phil Dunphy, Looks at his wife and says, one of these days, I'm going to knock you out. We'd go, whoa, I'm not watching this. So I think... That's w- Phil
0: Dunphy from Modern Family, for anyone not Modern
1: familiar. Family. Uh, so, which is an ABC property, which is owned by Disney. I made it work. I made it work. Hey. Hey. And so, um, and so I think we have to be careful with, like, I didn't find it funny today... I mean, there's things I don't find funny from the 1980s Disney films or even Lady the Tramp we were talking about, things that I went, is it, is it funny? I don't find it funny. And so um, just got to be a little bit careful with cultural values and, spe- and with humor especially. Um, at this point then, two men are not enough for this woman. Well, enough for this woman, enough for this narrative about this woman. How about that? Because we have Donald we have Apple Man and then another guy decides he kind of wants uh, Aurora as well. And they start some sort of elaborate dance kick-fighting thing. And they keep cutting back to Aurora. And she's smiling and loving this. And I was like, okay, this is our message. You find, you know, if two guys want to fight over you, that's cool. Just a thought. And before this ends, uh, Donald gets back. Uh, he starts to leave the book. And there's almost a Toontown... For those of you familiar with Who Frame Roger Rabbit, little Warner Brothers mixing in with our uh, Disney here, as all the buildings start swaying back and forth rhythmically.
0: Is this when there was the jazzy music and he was in a spotlight? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so um, I found the music in there to be a little bit like that. Do um, you know the really trippy house scene from The Aristocats? Well, I'm not I've never seen the Aristocats with, you've never seen it I thought you said you didn't no. like yes, it, yes, it is similar no the,
1: the part which I thought made me didn't like it was I thought the we, we are Siamese cats I thought they were part of the Aristocats oh. so I have put them into the wrong film Oh, because well, both of those I hadn't Aristocats, really seen though, so I haven't clearly. seen the Aristocats Okay, I know that everybody but, wants to be a cat but yeah. outside of that
0: um, Georgia have you seen the Aristocats I have, yes. I know which scene you're yeah. on about. It is
2: similar to that. So there's, yeah. I think
0: it's because in the Aristocats in that house, basically you've got a cat playing the this piano. This is O'Malley and they playing like, the piano
1: when the spotlights are going around, um, right? Yeah, there's sort of all I've sorts seen of different... i yeah.
0: All sorts of different coloured flashing lights and there's some really jazzy music and it's, it's really quite trippy. Um, and I found it quite similar in this when, when Donald's under the spotlight as well, the, the, the actual music part of it. It was yeah. like this bassy, jazzy piano sound. So I thought that was quite interesting how... I okay, just like these
2: links. To, just like to correct something there. Who framed Roger Rabbit is actually a Disney production, not a. What it? Warner Brothers production.
1: Apologies, yes. I just it was all the. Uh, it's got to have some Warner Brothers cooperation because there's so much Warner Brothers intellectual property on in that.
2: It was released by Touchstone Pictures, which is a Disney property. Um And I know that uh, there is a Who Framed Roger Rabbit ride in the parks, um, yeah. and it's very much a. Um, disney property in that right yeah
1: um, no, you're right. i'm just you're reading right. quickly i'm just trying to get um, over porky Pig. pigs porky pig finishes it is porky pig not warner brothers
2: um i think he is
1: yeah some, some sort of again, cooperation sure. but maybe that's one for a future yeah. actually that would be quite interesting to do for a future podcast
2: i'd quite like to watch you frame dodger rabbit yeah
1: yeah it's all right bob hoskins god bless you um so then uh we're back outside of the book and they just—they need—they're too small now, and they need to get bigger in order to open the next part of the gift. Or have we done? At some point, there's a no. That's later. Never mind. Um, so they have to get bigger in order to get into the next present or get to the next present. And so there's black magic, which was an interesting kind of concept to link with Latin America. But Jose is very good at this, and instantly is able to do his black magic and turn big. And of course. Donald Duck, um, is bad. And just makes his hand really, really, really big until he eventually, you know. And this just felt like padding the runtime. I guess it was some. It was padding the runtime, but it was also giving like some comedy in between these cultural moments. But I'm not sure. Again, it had to be visual humor, and so I'm not sure if I really appreciated it. Georgia
2: i did appreciate it again probably more from an animation point of view than from anything else um but again i think it's probably them experimenting with what they can do especially now they're in technicolor okay um and kind of having a go at all of that because if you think each of those is hand drawn each frame of that um how much time that went into putting into that i think it's kind of a it's them showing off what they can do as a studio at that point i believe um so yeah, it probably is padding the runtime a little bit and adding into elements like that. But I think it's a bit of a look what we can do moment for other studios as well as anything else.
1: Excellent. And at this point, we are introduced to uh Panchito. Or Pachito. No, Panchito. That's a name there. Panchito, who this is his debut. He's a red bird from and he represents Mexico. So and Panchito would later on was a little bit of a of a knowledge drop here become a minor symbol of the mexican military mm-hmm. just because of his overwhelming sort of um no, no, notoriety he would become sort of a, a figure of it and panchito did seem younger and cooler than jose jose's not uncool but Pan, Pan, panchito i think was sort of the it's
2: more like a teenager isn't he early the, 20s the, late teens yeah, yeah.
1: And he was going to, and as a result, it makes Mexico seem a little bit older and the attempt is to go, Mexico's gonna be younger and cooler. I, I don't know to what degree that that actually pulls itself off, but um yeah. But then we introduce so we have our song Three Gay Caballeros. Three
0: gay uh, amigos, I think.
1: No, it's caballeros. Really? Yeah
0: it's caballeros. It's yeah. caballeros. Okay.
1: And they sing about being. They may, they may have called themselves amigos, but I definitely heard three gig happy because I kind of went, "Oh, you'd have to rename that today, probably. You wouldn't be able to um, use that word as a term for happy anymore." Uh, yeah. And then they sing a song called "Birds of a Feather," which was—I mean, that was cute, wasn't it? I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. That part I was like, "All right, I can do a more of this."
0: Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed this song. I think. Um, you could finally understand all of the lyrics because they were, oh. they were sung. So it was, it was sort of a bit of relief that finally I had some kind of comprehension of what was going on.
1: Speaking of relief, I could actually understand Panchito all the time as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he was, he was much much welcomed into the, into the narrative, I think.
1: Now, at this point, Georgia, this is where my notes start getting kind of hazy. And Ellie, this is where my notes start getting kind of hazy. So please, if I've missed something, jump in. Because the next thing I've got mentioned on my sheet here is about a Christmas story.
2: Um, no that's yeah that's pretty much it because panchito's present is a piñata um and then they go into the origins of a uh of the piñata and what that has to do with christmas and that kind of thing also right at the beginning of panchito's um entrance as you will if you will they kind of give the uh Origin of the Mexican flag as well, which is something I completely oh, I have no that. idea about, yeah. um, and I've really enjoyed that little bit as well. I thought that was great.
1: I was going, is that really what it is? So, if the goal was to educate, they got me on that because I've just—I I remember saying uh, I, I know there was something inside of it. I've never looked that closely at it or, or considered why it is. You just these things are what they are, and you just accept them without really questioning them, which is a scary thought. Um, but yeah, I just kind of went. No, That's I enjoyed what Mexico's being educated like. on that. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't like well, the red stripe represents this, and the white—I mean, these are actual like animals.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Um Before we move on, I did just have another point to make about the song. Um, so there was there was some kind of lyric in it about some Latin baby, and then you get this silhouette of a woman, and again, again, it's just really heavily sexualized with sort of swinging hips and very, very odd. Again, just a see in this context
1: yeah there was a little bit of i mean as far as the sexual appeal of women to men this is easily unlike anything disney ever had produced and wouldn't produce i think for quite some time
0: yeah
1: and i wonder if it's no, because I
0: think, you're, I think
2: you're right there
1: and i wonder again if it's because the main market was uh or the first the, the primary market if you will were these Latin countries where sexuality may not have been as um stigmatized as it was in conservative America and right the there, UK? Yeah. yeah, that might be true. So, because I don't think at any point, even though it's sexualized, is it condemned? I think actually quite the opposite. I think it's part of the kind of I don't think there part are, of the celebration. Yeah, are, it's there,
0: definitely presented as a positive thing it's not objectified. just really odd to see
1: it's just not stigmatized it's just it, I think we're just so used to going that doesn't strike me as normal because it's a, it, it is a different culture yeah so the Christmas story was interesting because those were still pictures and I've got maybe they were too lazy to animate this part
0: yeah I, I wrote down Mexican, <laughs> kids, Mexican kids get lazy drawings there's no animation <laughs> it was just a bit strange you've had all this really good animation earlier on and then yeah. just nothing
1: yeah, it did it just strike me as a bit odd. But maybe it's just I mean it was, it was I don't different. Think whether
0: it's,
2: is it because sorry, I'm just jumping on that point. Is it because they are it's being presented as being read from a book rather than um being like told as a story, if that makes any sense? I believe they're looking through the book that yeah. of Mexico at this point. So maybe is, it, it could be something to do with that. I don't, I maybe don't know. Maybe it's
1: because it's the past. And so therefore we'll give you still frames um, so we can distinguish the past from the present?
2: maybe possibly possibly it's just a look back on something rather than something they're actually experiencing i guess would be my argument for it i'm not sure
1: and so now we go to pinatas and uh they break open the pinata and it was like um something out of fantasia was inside this pinata (laughs) um or it was some sort of a drug trip. There was something going on in this pinata, and at one point there were pinatas inside the pinata that they break open. That's all I have because it was Meta. just it was just all over the place. Georgia, any thoughts on on, on pinata fest?
2: Um, I did notice that when they actually got it open, um, the toys that all came out of it and stuff. Their different animation styles was really cool. So there was a, like a little rag That's doll crazy. in there and a um, piggy bank and different bits and pieces and they all walked differently which I thought was really cool um, so the ragdoll was all floppy um, and the piggy bank kind of moved like yeah. side to side to move his legs and quite. And I, which, which I enjoyed the detail in that because each of them they were all on the screen at the same time yeah, um, and only for a few seconds and just the fact that it been animated differently I thought was
1: really cool and it should seem different you
2: yes, know what I mean Like yeah. it
1: should be different otherwise it's just you know, oh it's just a bunch of stuff like what we have and that's not nearly as interesting or as fun um, and then they have a magic carpet ride. Panchito says, Do you want a magic carpet ride over real Mexico, or a carpet. I don't know, is a magic carpet ride or a carpet ride, or over real Mexico?" And I kind of went, "Oh, here's what they got all the animations for for Aladdin. Good to know." Um, and then I've just got <laughs> there are two different dances that take place at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. I've written down Donald has mad dancing skills with a Z. Is this the bit
1: where they're? <laughs> is this the bit where they're clearly on a? Um, they're clearly on a. On a sound stage?
2: Yes, yeah, this is okay. This bit.
1: Because at this point, um, we get um, the characters start playing with the band and dancing with the dancers.
2: Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Okay. Um, I did enjoy the different... Obviously, we get shown lots of different cultural bits and pieces, but the different cultural dances I found to be really interesting, um, especially as someone who has practiced the traditional English dances. So where we're from at least we had molly dancing and morris dancing so these are two different types of english traditional dances that aren't practiced very much today but might you might see them at a traditional english celebration like a summer fair or that kind of thing um so to see the mexican equivalent of that i thought was really cool as well because there are some similarities such as um sorry I don't know why I stopped completely there such as there's lots of it's lots of like foot based things there's lots of bright colors in some of them um there's bells on their feet there's different bits and pieces and these are all things that I've seen represented in either Molly or Morris dancing as well
1: and it's interesting because there's something in Film or stories in general. And sometimes it's called an avatar and sometimes it's called a surrogate. But whichever one of those words you want to use, Donald becomes that for us. He is dropped in the middle of this scene. And so his ignorance to what's going on around him or or the fact that it's so novel to him represents ours. So we're seeing everything through his eyes. And so, again, I think it's a very positive representation of... Uh, Mexico and Mexican tradition, what I assume is traditional Mexican folk dancing and and, and mariachi bands and all that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting what George was saying, actually, because I noticed some similarities to um, the traditional sort of Portuguese dancing, because that's something that I've um, just witnessed when I went on holiday to Madeira, which is a Portuguese island. Um, and again, the sort of the outfits and this this style of having the music, the musical instruments surrounding you while you're doing the dancing, and again the similar kind of dancing styles, it's all all very linked. So I suppose perhaps all of our different cultural dances and things might have a lot of similarities in their grounding
1: and then they kind of leave the soundstage with everybody on it and go on to the carpet and the next destination is acapulco beach oh. and there's a telescope and they look at the women and, and it I believe,
0: boings in, in and out this telescope uh, yeah it, it was very phallic
1: i believe donald uh no i believe what's the i believe panchito says Coming along the lines of, hey, take a look. Again, try not to do the accent. Hey, take a look at what you see down there. What do you think? And Donald takes his telescope out and sees just women. Just women in swimming costumes. Uh, bathing suits, From if you call them, where we call them from where I am. And at one point, the one word of Donald's I managed to get out was something like, hello, toots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Well, that's problematic, isn't it? Um,
0: Um, I'd just like to make a small segue here. Um, I wrote down, the girls on the beach are still wearing more clothes than
1: Pocahontas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they're not doing half the running she was.
0: I mean, some of those. And no one called her toots. They were running away, weren't they? Well, yeah, their clothes were more more practical than Pocahontas. Well, well.
1: I think we're pre-bikini, though, aren't we?
0: There were some sort of full bikinis, I think. I think the actual two-piece
1: bikini that we know of, I think it's an invention of the 50s.
2: I believe so, yeah. I think we're in... They might have been two pieces because a lot of swimming costumes were in two pieces for ease of putting on and that kind of thing, but they would have been made to look like one piece or they'd have had shorts over the top or a sarong of sorts or that kind of thing. So, no, I think we are before the proper bikini at this point,
1: yeah. And even the cuts were, were, were quite conservative, For something we we talked about the silhouettes and the sexualization of that, there wasn't like long lingering. I mean, they weren't doing that in this. There wasn't any objectification happening here. No, there was the idea that you know this is Donald's dream because every girl wanted Donald, and Donald was designed to have every girl there was kind of around him. And there's it's it's all very playful, and um, the women are always shown to be equal participants in this does that make sense yes
2: yeah yeah they're all as much for donald as donald is for them
1: at no point are any of them pushing him away so that's better but um (laughs) and it's really interesting because obviously daisy duck does not uh take any part in this narrative whatsoever and the decision to do so was made so that no one thinks that he's cheating
2: Hmm. i don't believe daisy duck is a figure in the Disney canon yet is she? I believe
1: she is because my research suggests okay. she was intentionally left out. Okay, but that's an interesting. One, maybe we can come back and and, and validate that l- later on in a in, the, in a future podcast, maybe. Hmm. Um,
0: so when they when they go to leave on this one, um, Donald is blindfolded and um, he goes to kiss what he thinks is one of the girls, I believe, and then ends up kissing. Uh, is it Jose, the Brazilian? Yeah amigo Um, and it's it's a little bit rapey
1: (laughs) it's a little bit pestery for sure Uh, again I mean let's consider and and I I say this with every this is it's if someone's not reciprocating this is wrong 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 okay if I may provide a um, another a contemporary of Donald Duck Mr. Pepe Le Pew, are you familiar with Pepe Le Pew?
0: I have no idea what you're even saying.
1: George, are you familiar with Pepe Le Pew? No. Okay, let me do it. So Pepe Le Pew is a character in the Warner Brothers cast of characters. He is a skunk, and in every Pepe Le Pew cartoon, it goes like this: um, There's a cat. And somehow, this cat, it's always the same cat, it seems like, although they don't remember, each narrative is independent of itself. They don't remember previous incarnations. She ends up getting some paint or something down her back, so she gets a perfect white stripe and resembles a skunk. And the whole thing is that Pepe Le Pew falls in love with this cat and every episode he goes up to her and grabs her and goes, oh, my petite chérie. And he's very much the French lover stereotype. And he's kissing her very much against her will and she runs off and then he goes to chase her and the audience is positioned to go, yeah, you get her. You get her. And so um, these singular canon tropes of... um, you know, the sort of womanizing um, male against the hard-to-get female is, is at that point, considered... I mean, Donald's being very uh, mild in comparison.
0: I see what you're saying, but I don't think at any point in this are we sort of, as you say, positioned to think, oh, yeah, go get her, and... Oh, I think we not are. Really, really? Oh, yes. Okay, maybe I just really hate Donald Duck, but I at no point was rooting for him to get with any of these human females. For, but
1: nor did, nor was it going to be more than just kissing on the cheek. I mean, it's still a cartoon. So right. it was just, you know, he got kissed by the apple girl who he's forgotten all about the cheating so-and-so right now. <laughs> and, and and it made his eyes go big and his heart comes beating out of his chest and we're going, he's a cartoon. He wants to flow when he smells fresh made pie and he wants to kiss girls and leave, you know, big lipsticky marks all over she leaves them all over him or vice versa. Mm. And this is what love is in a, in a, in a cartoon world. I just think he's.
0: I mean, it's like a couple of minutes later that you've got the, um, the singing woman that sort of randomly turns into a star. And then he ends up kissing the star where the woman's face was. And is. I've just got written down, stop trying to force yourself on people, Donald. Because it would be be unacceptable, even if you were the same
1: species. See, my bigger issue isn't Donald's reaction. My bigger issue is the bit where uh, Panchito gives him the telescope and says, basically, check out the wares. (laughs) There's no men around. (laughs) This is the auction block. That's my bigger issue.
0: There's a difference between saying, oh, look, there's some attractive women over there to... Oh, I'm gonna go and force myself on this woman.
1: If let's tell you what, let's 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 finish up the end of it because I have a big question I want to ask at the end. I'm not going to leave my finger on the table here so I remember it. Okay, okay. Something interesting here. So, uh, George, do you have anything you want to add to that? By the way,
2: um, no, I don't think so. Um, I think it represents how. Again, I think it's very much a product of its time. Um, I think. Donald is always represented as a bit of a womanizer, you're a womanizer and you're a someone meow, meow. who is <laughs> someone who is incredibly hot headed all of the time and kind of flits about like a bit like a small puppy who doesn't really know what he wants and just kind of goes backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards to all different things with a um, with the memory of a goldfish. Um, so no, I'd say it's of its time and it's in character of the of Donald Duck. Um, I'm not saying any of it's right for this day and age, but um, I think when it came out, I don't think anyone would have had a particular issue with how people were being portrayed
1: there. Plus it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's a cartoon duck.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: They're like three times his size. (laughs) Just a thought. Uh, And then we get, I've got some notes here. I don't remember anything, but we have Mexico City. They leave. He's on his magic carpet kissing Jose and they go to Mexico City at nighttime, and there is a singing star and the star turns into a uh, into a human woman or she appears in the star or something happens and Donald somehow gets up to the star and starts kissing it because that's what happens in real life and that's really all I have as far as that because now I'm going into dancing cucumbers after that so anybody have any memory of this because beyond because I, I think I'd I, given up a little bit at this point
2: at this point um it kind of segues from being something that at least i would call coherent um (laughs) into (laughs) into something that became very much just a mishmash of everything this is where i felt it became very um very kind of just shoved together we've got three Um, days to finish the
1: film just draw something don't talk to each other mm -hmm. just give us something we can put on
2: yeah, because the lady, in, even when the um, lady who's uh, with the cactus and the tap dancing and the everything else, even when that's going on, there's still images of the lady in the starhead kind of floating across the bottom of the screen as well. Yep. So this all became very <laughs> mishmashed together at this point, which is where I kind of started to lose track, which compared to you two, I think I did a really good job. I think you did. Yeah, you, you did. <laughs> I've got dancing
1: cucumbers and then I've got bullfighting. I don't remember the bullfighting at all.
2: It was Donald inside one of the toys that came out of the um, piñata playing with Jose. They were just playing a game at that
0: point, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then I've just got Finn, Finn, the end, all done in fireworks. And it just felt like it just ended really abruptly.
0: And I went, oh, thank
1: God. Which is saying something when the film's (laughs) only 71 minutes, because it dragged and then ended out of nowhere, I felt.
2: Yeah. No, I I would agree with that, yeah. Okay, so... I think it's because it came with so many different segments and then it just mashed together the last 10 minutes. But I, the 10 minute, last 10 minutes took a long time and was then suddenly it was done.
1: It was just another musical number and I guess I was looking for somebody... Some, Donald, Donald, we hope you you had a good birthday. And then if yeah. they went, yeah, yeah, it was all right, great. And now let's do one last one. Let's do one last song. And I'd be like, all right, I get what this is. <laughs> this is the last song. But I think it was just <laughs> the last 35 minutes was just so much... Singing, especially singing for the most part in uh, if not foreign languages, um a lot of the songs would start to sound somewhat similar, and so as a result you just kind of it's just kind of a loop and then it just ended, and I was like, oh, we're done, <laughs> so my question is this because I'm sitting there going, I still don't know for the most part why they had that warning about uh, outdated cultural because I felt if we talk about for the most part ethnicity, I felt they were fairly respectful I'm i think it's I thought they on were, they were quite for
2: respectful. legal sakes on this one
0: yeah but interesting how we've had more of an issue with um the subject of racism on films like mulan and pocahontas which are much more recent yet they don't have the same kind of warning underneath them um nor should they necessarily um but it it just seemed odd that this one sort of got that blatant warning at
1: the start. Yeah, okay, it's it's interesting. I think because we're dealing with whole pockets of of people's... My only issue is this, and it's got back to do with Panchito and to a lesser degree, Jose, introducing Donald. Because remember, to us, Donald is Donald. But to the other cultures, he was dubbed, right? And he was dubbed with an American, smooth-sounding voice. So Donald becomes, for some reason a symbol of America. And now we have Panchito saying, "Hey, check out our wares. Take what you want." to <laughs> the American.
0: Yeah, that's not great.
1: Any thoughts on that, George? Or am I just going too deep into this?
2: Um, I think you might be going a little bit too deep. Oh, I mean, I there is I'm a bit something. of this range i think maybe, maybe maybe but i mean if it's being if this is coming out at the time when they're when america are trying to put across some sort of political gains for keeping these countries out of communism i think is what you were saying um then a line in there which essentially says we're friends come and take what you want being written by the american company on behalf of um uh, the mexicans is a yeah, it's a bit of a dodgy one but um it may not have been written with that intent. Yeah, it, it might is. just be different bits and pieces. It's hard to know because obviously we don't know what with what intentions any of this was written.
0: It is quite brief, isn't it? That that little line. So I suppose perhaps we're reading reading an awful lot into one very small segment.
1: See, I think probably problem. is that I teach English on my good days, and um, like I mean, I don't get too much of a thing. But we we used to teach um, of mice and men. And if Mice and Men is full of characters who there's just one character, but they represent their entire demographic. So Crooks represents all black people. Curly's wife represents all um, all women. Uh, Lenny represents all people who have a mental disability and so on and so forth. And the that becomes, the minute they do anything, it becomes a commentary to a degree unless you're really careful on that demographic.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And as Donald's the only American, therefore we have to go... In a way, not to us, because we know who Donald is, but over there, he represents Americana. And they'd have, here, take our natural resources, <laughs> represented by women in this case. But it did come out like Panchito's being a little pimpy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and by the way, am all Americans
0: are horny guys who can dance really well.
1: Wait, Donald can dance really well?
0: Yeah, Donald has mad dancing skills. So Don- I told you that earlier. Okay, there
1: you go. Uh, so... This is the bit where we uh, finish up and go. So uh, we've kind of talked about what we think. I mean, uh, I'm kind of. I made. I think I made my point fairly clear. I, I I wanted more story, and there wasn't anything to this. I felt.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I really wasn't a fan of this film at all.
2: Georgia, see, I'm I am the odd one out in this situation. I don't necessarily need. Um, an overarching story in a film to keep me entertained, especially as one as short as this, so I really enjoyed it. I liked the different segments, I liked a lot of the animation style, and I liked the fact that, for me, this is what classic Disney
0: looks like, so I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Okay. Uh, let's go around. Favourite characters?
0: I can't even. The,
1: oh, really? Okay. Yeah,
0: i I just didn't like any characters in it. I didn't think there was really any character development. Like, I mean... I suppose uh, the penguin was but... quite cute and okay, comical, yeah, yeah. so I'll go for Pablo the penguin. Pablo
1: the penguin, okay. Georgia? Um,
2: I quite like Jose. I think he's probably my favourite. I think his bits and pieces are my favourites. He's the one that's always getting Donald out of the trouble and that kind of thing, so I'm going to go with Jose.
1: I'm going to echo Jose. I did like Jose. Um, mm-hmm. I like the two sidekicks in general, but I, I can't get past Panchito and his whole check out the merchandise uh, side of it, so... Uh, as a result I will go with Jose plus I thought his costume was just really interesting I liked his like little old Brazilian man kind of uh, get up and the fact that he was a bit of a calming influence on everybody the whole way through I like that uh, favorite song
0: the three gay well I thought it was three gay amigos but you said it was three gay caballeros but yeah. that, that one anyway That's that the only one I even remember so Georgia yeah, I'd say that
1: was my favorite as well. Yeah, me too. I think it's a title track for a reason. It did all right. Uh, best bit? Best part? Best moment of it? Ugh. Um. Surely there was something. Come on.
0: I, uh, come back to me.
1: Wow. Georgia?
0: I even found stuff in
2: Batman that I like. Yeah, I um, know.
1: Um, Hashtag best um, film no. ever, different podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I... I enjoy that it's all in different segments i'd probably say that my favorite little segment was probably parcel one um before everything else happens but that felt like a completely different film to me that felt like it could have been yeah. its own short um uh and i enjoyed all the little different stories within parcel one as it were present one is probably my favorite part of it
1: yeah i my favorite my part was pablo the penguin and was that narrative yeah. Uh, it's a shame because that's the first one (laughs) so (laughs) at this point I'm like okay if it's seven of these I mean it's not what I want but I can live with that alright seven little fun stories and then no no it wasn't and really the fact that they front loaded it all but I'm talking about the best bits so the best bit is uh, parcel number one Pablo the Penguin
0: I suppose I would agree with Pablo the Penguin as I've just said he was my favourite character in it it just I think while this was going on I was really struggling to understand what the film was going to be and where the plot line was because it, it wasn't. Um, so I think while I was actually watching it, I was really struggling, but in hindsight, that's probably my favorite okay. section.
1: I'm going to make you go, worst, worst bit. Now you have to sort of, the worst is, is is like a singular or a very short list. Worst bit, worst element, worst, you can sort of pull whatever thread you want to on this, but biggest biggest gripe.
0: Well, definitely that over-sexualization of it also. the I mean, in particular, the bit on the, on the beach and um, with the star lady afterwards. Okay.
1: Georgia.
2: Um, the probably the ending how it ends threw me off a little bit. And um, the last ten minutes of it feel like they take um thirty minutes, um, and then it just suddenly ends without any warning. So I'd go with that. Would be my biggest issue with it.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go with the structure. It was my biggest issue was the idea that front loaded everything that I liked in the first the first two of the first three and I was going I needed a bit more of that and I think they overestimated how much people would care when they brought in uh Jose and Panchito so that was my, my my issue I was actually okay with the sexualization in the sense that again I didn't feel it was disrespectfully done with exception of with exception of Panchito's check out the merchandise kind of comment um so then finally that leaves us with um where does this fit? Where does this fit in your rankings? We have five now. We have five now. Where does it fit? Uh, starting with Ellie.
0: Um, so before I rank this one, I'd just like to do a little correction to my existing rankings. Um, okay. When we when we ranked Lady and the Tramp last week, I said, not last week, the other day, um, I said that I was struggling to place Lady and the Tramp either above or below Mulan, and I at the time said that it was above but having slept on it um i think that it's actually below so my existing list was frozen mulan lady in the tramp and pocahontas as edited um and i'm now going to be placing three caballeros at number five number very f- definitely five.
1: all right uh georgia
2: so, again, this is where my lists are completely different from both of yours. I know, I believe Mulan's at the top of yours at the moment, isn't it, Ian?
1: Oh, spoilers. <laughs> yes, it is.
2: Not if you've listened to the and other so if I go backwards from five, <laughs> If I go backwards from five on mine, five is Mulan on mine. Then I've got uh, Lady and the Tramp in four. I've got three Caballeros in three, with Pocahontas at two and Frozen at one.
1: If you can see my face, my jaw is literally hanging open that three caballeros beat not one, but two other films that we have reviewed so far. And it beat what? It beat Mulan and Lady the Tramp?
2: Yep. I've got it that way round of mine. Again, I value different things in films. You do, you do. And this is what makes... if, um, if
1: If we all sat here with the same list of five, it would take half the fun out of this. I'm just really quite... Interesting. And the biggest disagreements I have with people about films are usually situations like this where I walk out going, there was no story. And they go, story's not the only thing. I'm going, yes, it is. <laughs> um, so uh, let me go with mine. Uh, I have um, Mulan at number one. I have Frozen at number two. I had um, Pocahontas at three. I had Lady of mm-hmm. at four. And now I too have uh, three Caballeros in number five. And I mean... It's it's quite the gap between four and five for me now. Like, there wasn't one moment that I looked at this and went, Disney magic. And it's the first film I think I can argue in this where I didn't have one moment I went, oh, that's good. I was lacking any of it. Uh, the best it got to was at the start where I went, oh, it reminds me of kind of like, you know, those, those sort of like entry-level cartoons at home. Great. And uh, it just didn't, I guess story is that important to me. So, uh, sure. I realize we've made a bit of an assumption that uh, Onward will actually debut in the UK as well as in the US on Disney+. Plus. I'm assuming that's the case. If not, I'm sure we can throw something else from Pixar up there, and we can go ahead and do that. Maybe we'll leave that as a bit of a reveal just in case we end up shelving that for an episode. So, um, that's about it. Any, any last statements about Three Caballeros before we wrap this up?
2: i think i've said all all i wanted to say if let me know um on the socials on instagram on twitter if you agree with me i'd quite like to find some other people that don't necessarily value story as the most important thing i think it probably is the most important thing in storytelling but this isn't storytelling this is a different type of right
1: entertainment, yeah and I, guess um, just depend- I would argue yeah what did you want or what do you need and i just i just yeah it just wasn't what i thought i was getting or or, or what i looked at disney for but you're totally allowed yes, to go to yeah. disney for that that's totally cool yeah
2: I think I would so just yeah, it'd be nice to be fine some of people
0: I think I would just say to close really that i'm I'm glad that we that Georgia chose this film for us to watch um because it is interesting to see sort of how things have developed, how the animation styles of where they've come from, and what the background to Disney is, I suppose, but just placing it in my head from the fact that Bambi came before this and Snow White came before it and um, you know, we've seen Lady in the Tramp recently that wasn't that that long afterwards. i I just would, you know, prefer we didn't perhaps watch any of the other ones from a similar era, um and similar style until a little bit further in the
1: future. Well, we'll see. Uh we we definitely have something from Pixar regardless coming to us next. So this is the part where the fireworks splash up and go fin, fin, and the end. So for Talking the Mickey, I've been Ian.
0: I've been Ellie. And I've been Georgia.
1: And please join us next time and check out the merchandise. There she is, Acapulco Beach, the Riviera of Mexico. Take the telescope and have a look at what you might call the hot stuff. Oh God, am I learning this place? <laughs>